and welcome back to the Dreamcast. I am your host, Denise Walsh. I combine science, scripture, and stories that will inspire you to dive deep, break through your own personal glass ceiling, and design a life of your dreams. Are you in a transition, ready for your next step, but you're unsure as to what that next step actually is? Or maybe you feel stuck, unclear, or just plain bored with life. I have been in that space myself, and instead of looking everywhere else for the answer of what should I do next, I realized that I had to create my own space and allow my own answers to bubble up. And this is exactly why I created Dream Space Online for you. It's an e-course that gives you that space needed to reconnect with your spark, release anything that may be holding you back, and create a game plan for your dreams. With 14 strategic exercises that will help you unlock your life's purpose and develop your action plan, guaranteed. In this next year, we all have a choice to make. Do we stay where we are, wondering why it's not working, or do we ask for help and learn new skills that will take us in a new direction? And for a limited time, you'll receive $1,000 in bonuses thrown in, including a 30-minute clarity call with me. I cannot wait to walk alongside you in this journey. So to learn more and purchase Dream Space online, check out jointhedreamspace.com. That's jointhedreamspace.com. Welcome back to the Dreamcast. You know, I think our next guest is going to speak with us on a lot of different levels. Most of us are parents. Some of you guys are even teachers. But even as adults, we may still be impacted by what our next guest talks about. So whether you're listening to this through the eyes of a parent and you want to work with your kids or you are still dealing with the effects of this next topic, you are going to leave changed. So our next guest was born to entertain and educate. I love that. His natural talent is to command an audience of any age, which you know, if his primary audience is school-aged children, he's got to be good. He's got to be entertaining to hold their attention. He's been honored with two international awards and recognized as a peace ambassador by the United Nations for his effectiveness in conflict resolution. He is a social misfit turned social skills educator and is able to connect with kids from all walks of life and provide the skills necessary to overcome life's challenges. So here to talk with us about all things social skills, bullying, overcoming, and and really creating a place of growth within your home, because we know it's not easy for anyone who, you know, lives life. <laughs> we, we need these skills in our back pocket. So big Dreamcast, welcome to Jeff Veely. Thanks so much for having me. I am so excited to talk to you, if you cannot tell, because I know your primary audience is schools. Is that right? Yeah, I talk to uh, students, parents, and educators. So a a lot of my touring throughout the year is in schools. Awesome. So you're talking to schools about bullying, about social pressures, about life's challenges. But even as adults, we need to hear that message too, because a lot of us had experienced things in our youth years that maybe still impact us today. And and I, I love your bio says you are a misfit turned social educator. So tell us a little bit about what got you into this 
field of educating youth to begin with. Yeah, it's sort of a disclaimer before I start talking that uh, things are about to get awkward, right? If you got a social misfit on the line. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I was uh, sort of the kid in school that seemed to stand out for all the wrong reasons. Uh, learning disabilities. Uh, I just wasn't athletic. Sports were a big thing at my school. And I had red hair, nerdy glasses. If you're listening, you can't see that. But trust me, I, I look like I might be a mean kid magnet. Um, so I had a lot of kids just to try to be mean and try to hurt my feelings. And, you know, today we call it bullying. And I don't like that. I call it the B word. I, I tell kids don't say the B word. And sometimes they think I mean another B word, which you just should say that either. But the word bullying really confuses people because there's five different definitions in the U.S. right now. And some of them actually contradict each other. So it's, it's very challenging when you talk to someone and you say bullying, you don't really know. Uh, they don't really know what you mean. Or if they, a kid's trying to get help, you don't know what they mean. So I like to say social aggression, uh, dominance behavior. This is what psychologists or sociologists would call it. Okay. And so it was your experience in high school and middle school that said, all right, I need to help other kids in that same situation. How did you like move through and 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 kind of see what it what for what it was and and heal your own journey? Yeah, well, it all started in kindergarten. Uh, I started was going to school when one I was day. five. <laughs> <laughs> started early the uh, the the layers of trauma, right? But truly, I was uh, going to a, a small private school in. My parents, you know, were paying tuition for me to go to the Christian school and everybody's supposed to be nice, but that doesn't happen no matter where you go. And there was these two third graders. I think they wanted to own their own business and I didn't know how to be entrepreneurs. So what they would do is they'd charge all the little kids a quarter in order to get past them every day. Uh, now, if you didn't have a quarter, they'd beat you up, they'd throw your backpack in the woods and you'd be late for school, you'd get in trouble. Uh, so one day I asked my grandma for a quarter, Denise, and she goes, what do you need the quarter for? And I was like, oh, shoot, grandmas are smart. You know, this, this isn't going to work. So my grandma goes up to the school, took these two third graders by the ears and sort of dragged them to the principal's office, which was sort of legal back then. You can't do that now. And I remember as a little kid thinking like, this is how you deal with mean people. Like you just get grandma. And if you sit grandma on them, like grandma don't play <laughs> and they're going to knock it off. <laughs> but when I got to my inner city high school uh, where there was gang violence and stuff, you can't just call grandma because grandma going to get shot, right? Like you got to find a different way to deal with this. And so over the years, I sort of did all the wrong things. Honestly, I would get upset. I would fight back. I would run and try to get my enemies in trouble. It always, no matter what they did to try to hurt my feelings, it always resulted in this huge reaction, which to them was the payoff. It was the jackpot. You know, if they're playing slots, you know, pushing my buttons, the payoff was my jackpot reaction emotionally. And so they loved to get that reaction. They did it again and again and again. And I couldn't figure out how to make it stop. And I remember adults telling me to ignore it. I was like, well, you can't solve a problem you ignore. They told me to walk away, but then kids would just think, well, he's too weak. He won't stand up to us. And I would be told to tell an adult, but every time I would tell an adult, it seems like it would either not make a difference or it would make things worse because uh, that person would hate my guts instead of being mean at school where there was teachers watching, they would wait till the bus stop where there was no one around. And so it, it sort of got worse. And so it was in high school. I mean, you asked kind of where did I make the shift to her? Where did I discover this? It was in high school where that happened. I had a uh, stand by the back door of the school and there was this guy over 300 pounds, biggest kid in our school. And he had this reputation for never losing a fight. Uh, and there was a, a student by the back door of the school one day uh, who started mouthing off to him and calling him names, making fun of his weight. And this kid was in a wheelchair. And before I know it, this kid is being lifted from the wheelchair and by this big guy slammed against the wall and he's getting ready to be punched in the face. And I remember this racing thought in my mind of like, 
I don't know how to stop this guy, but if I don't stop this guy, like he could kill this kid. He was so massive. Uh, and this other kid was really scrawny. And so without knowing what to do, uh, I just grabbed his arm and I said, hey, stop. He dropped the kid, turned on me and put me against the wall. And it was the first time in my life where I couldn't ignore it. <laughs> I couldn't walk away because I was dangling from the ground and there were no adults in sight. And so what did I do? Well, I tried to de-escalate the situation, as you and I might say, as, as, as quickly as I could. I tried to get this dude to chill out and understand, hey, man, I'm not trying to harm you. I just didn't want you to kill that kid. So I talked to him very calmly. I was calm. I was kind. I didn't get upset. I actually treated him like a friend. And just moments later, he set me down and he walked away. For me, that was the first time in my life I had ever stopped an aggressor successfully on my own. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Lots to unpack because bullying, being mean, feeling like you have are walking on eggshells in school, which is a place you need to go to five days out of your week and spend a good portion of your mm -hmm. day, no matter if it's texting or, or physical or snide remarks, those types of those things can really seep into your soul and it makes it so uncomfortable to be there. And so I feel like like it's not something to be ignored, right? Because if you want to create a safe place for people to learn, for kids to learn, to grow and thrive, and these things are going to happen, you lose your safe place very, very quickly. Mm -hmm. Now, you said you don't like the word bullying because there's there's a lot of things that it means. What do you call it and what does it mean to you? So I, um, my favorite word is squabbles. Because I find that, okay. <laughs> yeah. and that's the name of a, a conflict resolution system as well that I, I co-authored with a, a couple colleagues. But I call it squabbles because if you sort of dictionary the word squabbles, it means a petty argument that can get out of control if it's not resolved quickly. And that's where uh, these kind of epidemic bullying situations that we see on the news, that's where they always start. It starts with a squabble. Typically, it goes on and on because the student who's getting picked on, they don't know how to win. They don't know how to stop or squash the squabble. Uh, but when we empower that child with skills to do so, then we can solve it quickly before it turns into a recurring behavior. Okay. Uh, and so you finally, in high school, feel like you had some of your power back because you responded to the situation rather than reacted with emotion. You didn't raise to their level and try to be just as aggressive as they were. You felt like you um, were able to talk talk him down. Tell me how that impacted your self-esteem at that time. You know, I think in the moment, I was just glad that I wasn't, you know, splat into the wall, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> honestly. Um, but later I went and I just, I kept, it was one of those moments, I think we all have a memory that sort of replays in our mind. And for me, that was the memory, like it was on repeat and it went over and over. And I think uh, the reason is because it was the first time I had ever stopped aggression really on my own and had done it successfully. Um, everybody knew Jeff was the kid picked on at school. What no one realized is that I was also the kid being abused at home. Uh, my mom was emotionally, sometimes physically abusive towards me. And our, our, I was no better back, right? I just fueled the, her fire. I was mean back. Uh, I did all the wrong things. And so what I quickly learned is that this idea of de-escalating, being calm and kind, not getting upset, and instead of treating people the way they treat you, treating them the way you want to be treated, that doesn't just work at school with a big dude. That also worked with my mom, and it actually is what healed our relationship. So sort of the epiphany for me of, hey, this is really powerful, is about two weeks after this big guy slammed me against the wall and I was able to solve it, he came up to me and he was almost in tears. And I mean, I wish you could see this guy because he was huge. I mean, he did, he was a tough looking guy, 
kind of gangster looking dude, right? That was the crowd he hung with. You wouldn't think this guy would, would break down. He just looked so tough. And he came up and he shook my hand and he said, you stopped me from doing something really stupid the other day. Thank you. I'm sorry that I slammed you against the wall. And I said, man, this kid was calling you fat. He was making racist jokes. You don't have, don't have to apologize to me. I, I get picked on, man. I know how it feels. And he said, I know you do. And I never stood up for you. And he said, the thing that freaked me out is even when I slammed you against the wall, you were still being nice to me. He said, Jeff, I want to make you promise no matter what happens after this day, I know some crazy stuff goes down here, bro, I will always have your back. And so by not getting upset, by treating my enemy like a friend, not only did my uh, enemy turn into my friend, but my bully turned into my bodyguard. And that, uh, that was sort of the light bulb moment for me. <laughs> yeah, that is a huge identity shift and and a huge and I can feel the you know light bulbs going off in your head kind of going whoa not only did this get me out of this one situation but this is a strategy that you can use to impact relationships all over the place absolutely you know and I think when it comes to this issue of of bullying or social aggression squabbles whatever you want to call it we look at the history of it and it's really been, you know, about 20 years, 21 now in America. It goes back to 1999 out of Columbine is really where the anti-bullying movement was birthed. And my issue uh, as I went into work in the social work field and the mental health field, like like uh, we were sharing some of our roots yep. together, um, I was working with these at-risk youth and I noticed pretty much in every area, my job was to empower students with skills so that they could change their situation and feel empowered. But when it came to this issue of bullying, I was not instructed to empower them. I was instructed to just teach them how to report it. And I said, well, that leaves them feeling like a victim. Like, I know how that feels. I hated that. So there's got to be a more empowering message. And so if we look at a lot of the um, anti-bullying programs, if we look at a lot of the uh, methods used to address this aggression over the last 20 years in America, we'll find that um, it sort of relies on uh, people, programs, and policies in order to change that student's situation. But if bullying is truly an imbalance of power, someone having power over another, we realize if we would simply empower the victim, we've completely solved the conflict. And in the meantime, it's helped that kid grow strong. Absolutely. Yeah. It helps create that safe place where mm -hmm. the powerful don't feel like they have lesser thans. And then those who are feel lesser than feel on equal terms. Mm -hmm. Oh, interesting. So cool. So you are working in the schools. You're like, this isn't working. And I love when... I mean, I was working in mental health as well. And all of a sudden you go, what's currently available is not all that helpful. What can we do next? And so you took the bull by the horns and you started creating your own programs and strategies so you could actually teach the children you were working with something that could empower them. What did you do, do first? How did you kind of make that leap to seeing a need and then creating the solution? Well, I started researching like crazy. And I'll be really honest, the stakes were super high. So I was running residential treatment programs with kids on suicide watch. And the number one reason why these kids wanted to take their lives, uh, they reported to me, was not the abuse and neglect that had happened to them. They had all been abused and neglected. But when I looked at the source of them self-reporting why they wanted to give up on life, it was the hateful words happening every day. And um, I said, you know, I need to find a solution quick because I've got these kids on suicide watch. And a lot of them were coming through our program like a revolving door. Uh, you know, we would try to like encourage them, but we, I didn't have the tools then and, and our staff didn't. 
And so I just started to research some of the great psychologists, some of the great thinkers, some of the great speakers out there. I just studied uh, psychology and sociology, you know, anything I could get my hands on that I thought would help kids. And I, I found some folks that were really good at empowering young people and giving them a voice and allowing them to solve their own social problems. And I realized when brought me back to that light bulb moment in high school. And I said, that's when I had success is when I was able to solve my own problem. And so I just uh, doubled down on easy ways to communicate that message. And uh, where I ended up was uh, the peace sign approach, which is two simple steps that any kid, I always say ages eight to 80, <laughs> can use to respond to aggression. And I always try to make it clear with kids when I talk about, um, you know, someone being mean, uh, there's sort of two different kinds of mean behavior, right? There's physical where someone's trying to you know, send you to the hospital, that's salt and battery. Uh, there's property damage. There's taking your stuff that's stealing. These are criminal behaviors. These are objective harm. And so we always report that to the adults. That's for the adults to deal with. That's super serious. Um, and we continue to tell that story until we're heard. And we go up in the ranks, you know, maybe you need to call the police if you're not getting hurt, if someone's hurting you or, or you know, stealing your stuff. Someone's trying to hurt your body take or break your stuff, serious. Someone's trying to hurt your feelings, that's serious. But we can teach kids how to protect their feelings. We can teach them how to be resilient. And we can give them social skills so they don't feel stuck when someone's mean, but that they already have a canned response. Uh, and the more we flex that muscle and practice those skills, the more we can help our kids be comfortable uh, when things heat up to use that in the moment. Yeah, when I like the canned response because when you're emotionally in the moment, everything goes out the window and you forget. Right. <laughs> So if it's something you've practiced and you know that this is something that you can say, can you give us an example of what someone could say if they're feeling threatened in in that way? What's a good one-liner? Yeah. So I give out these little thing called peace cards uh, and I, I developed it for a student that had autism. He didn't know we would like try to role play, but I was like, this dude's super smart, but he struggles socially. So he just needs a script. Uh, and if I can get him to memorize three simple lines, he'll be able to respond. The other kids won't realize what's going on. So those are a little secret. So I met with him, uh, 10 years old, and now we hand these out everywhere I speak. Every student gets one of these cards. They're incredible. But uh, one of the lines on there said, wait, are you trying to bully me right now? That doesn't hurt my feelings. Uh, another is, you can say whatever you want about me. It's a free country. And the other one is says, uh, yeah, I can be really fill in the blank sometimes. I think you're really cool, though. And you might think, well, this is really simple. But in the moment, it demonstrates that the kid is not emotionally harmed by the words. And it also gives a kind response. They, they look confident and strong, even if they don't feel confident and strong in that moment. And so the goal is for them to have some sort of verbal response uh, that they have practiced so they're not, uh, their enemy or their aggressor is not seeing that emotional reaction. And they say something back, just kind of like you did, kind and calm, uh, but confident as well. Mm -hmm. And yes. so, and so then the idea is that the, the bully, the aggressor, they are not fed. <laughs> they right. are not, they're not, they don't get the high of, oh, I just got them kind of an attitude. And I know I was teased when I was in middle school and you're, you know how you said you've got this revolving memory. I bet mm -hmm. there's even adults out there that have a revolving memory themselves of when they were picked on or bullied um, as a child. And I remember for one week, the, the cool girl would walk by my locker and say mean things. And it was, I didn't, you know, I, was, I didn't know what to do. And so I didn't do anything. I just smiled and eventually she stopped doing it, which was really good. <laughs> but I always <laughs> remembered how I felt in that moment, how mm -hmm. anytime I saw her, my heart would start to race. 
and I thought about seeing her all the time. So I would, I would walk around the school differently. I would change my behavior to avoid that situation. And so if there's a way that we can empower the person to feel like they're creating a boundary around them and then strengthen them from the inside, then they feel like they don't have to hide. Yeah, it's great to see so many kids that are just ignited. Uh, a lot of times I'll work with kids that have left the classroom because some sort of squabble has gone down. They don't know how to handle it. They're breaking down. I can tell you many stories. I think of one school I was supposed to speak and I get there a half hour early and there's this 13 year old girl crying in the corner. Um, I didn't see any adults around. So I just kind of approached her. I was like, hey, are you OK? And she goes on to tell me, hey, this girl's been mean to me for over a year. I just joined the after school program thinking that I could make friends there. And she's told all the girls not to play with me, not to talk to me. And made up rumors. And it's funny because this girl had never met me before. She didn't know me, but she was just, she had to get it out. And I see, well, it's really interesting. I'm, I'm here to speak to your school about this issue. And she goes, you can't help me. <laughs> I said, wow, a little confidence builder there. You know, <laughs> I said, why can't I help you? She said, I've tried everything. And I really listened as she went down a pretty exhaustive list that honestly was pretty impressive. She had tried a lot of things to get this girl to stop being mean make her life miserable, stop the rumors and it hadn't worked. And I said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to call me the mean names that the girl's calling you. Make fun of me like she's making fun of you. She's like, for real? I was like, for real? She's like, am I going to get in trouble? I was like, no, 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 it's just a game. And here's my goal. In my goal, I have to try to stop you from being mean. If I can stop you, I win. If I can't stop you, you win. Action. So she starts making fun of me, my red hair, my glasses, all anything she can think of, spreading rumors, you know, telling me the rumor that this girl said about her. And I get really upset. And I'm yelling back at her and telling her to knock it off. And at this point, a teacher's come out of the classroom like, who is this? What, what's going on out here? <laughs> but uh, it was it was illustrating a point. I was proving to her that it was really funny to watch someone get upset. And for the first time, she could feel what her aggressor was feeling. And I said, okay, time out. We're going to try it again. This time, I'm not going to get upset. I'm going to treat you like a friend. Again, be as mean as you can. If I can stop you, I win. Action. And we role played this again. And what she found, oh, she was trying hard. No matter what she said, no matter how mean she was, she couldn't have power over me because I refused to get upset and I was kind no matter what she said. And we finished that and I said, what did you learn? And she said, when you're nice, no one can win. She said, can I go back to class now? I said, wait a minute, you just begged me not to send you back to class. She says, I want to go back. I said, why? She said, because this girl can't beat me anymore. And wow. so all it takes is for a few minutes for a caring adult to empower a young person by playing a simple game. Uh, and it just illustrates that concept. But it does more than that. It allows them to feel it. Yeah. yeah. Guys, if you have any children at all, ever, <laughs> we need to do this <laughs> exercise at home because uh, I have a kindergartner and a third grader. And it's crazy how early this stuff kind of starts and you don't even mm -hmm. realize it. And they often don't tell you. They might not tell you until it has escalated. And so these are skills you can start with early on to teach them how to handle when someone's being rude or mean and what that really, really looks and feels like. Now we're, we're in a whole new era, Jeff. Back when we were in school, we did not have social media. We did not have phones. We did not have texting. We did not have, we passed notes. <laughs> I remember those days. <laughs> and I feel like things have changed. Technology has impacted the way schools run because a lot of classrooms have iPads and computers. And, you know, tell me a little bit about how you have noticed technology impacting the squabble situation. Oh, it's totally changed the game. You're right. I mean, every kid has a device. It seems like a phone or 
tablet or computer, maybe all three. I've seen students with Apple watches. So even while they're, you know, at school or while they're doing different activities, they've got notifications going off from social media, from text, uh, you name it. And so it's really nonstop. I feel like we could, and I know I did, I don't know about you, but I would isolate myself when I got home or kind of block things out, like not hang out with kids from school because then I could cope. Do you ever try that? Yeah, well, I think you you have a home life and a school life, and it's easy to separate it when you don't mm-hmm. have them interconnected as much. Yeah, and today it's so blurred. Yeah. And so it's difficult for students to turn it off. And then they feel like, you know, if I turn off my phone or if I turn off my device or my notifications, I'm being rude to my friends uh, or people that may need my help or, you know, that sort of thing. It's sort of like, you know, if you were to shut your cell phone off all day long, like as adults, like a lot of times we don't do that because like, what if there's an emergency and our kids have the same sort of thinking pattern. Another thing that's different about social media and when it comes to social aggression is this term cyberbullying. It's just uh, people freak out about it. Uh, It's important to understand that, you know, it's the same behavior that happens in person. It's just the location has changed to online. What's different is 75% of teens today are cyberbullied, but only one in 10 will tell their parents. A lot of times there's that fear of their device getting taken away, account getting shut down, Mom and dad don't really understand this app, so I couldn't ask them for help anyway. They don't get it. And so students really don't say stuff. And so I always stress the importance of teaching these skills because you may not know if your kid is going through this and at least they're prepared. Yeah, absolutely. And not only do you go into schools and do programs, but you also have a book. Tell us a bit about the book. That's It's called Bigfoot Gets Bullied. Yeah, this is so exciting. So um, one of my dearest friends is uh, an illustrator. And we've had this idea of working on a project together for years. We've teamed up with with other things. But I was constantly hearing from parents that would come to my uh, parent nights at schools. They would say, hey, this was so helpful. I wish like my youngest ones could hear you explain it because I don't know that I can explain it the same way. And so after hearing that over and over, I was like, I need to develop a tool and a children's book is really perfect. And so Bigfoot uh, is a kid that gets uh, picked on for all the wrong reasons. You know, he sheds, his hair goes everywhere. He's huge. He's always stepping on people's feet with his big feet. Dude's just got a lot of issues uh, and he's trying to figure out how to exist and how to uh, survive in a new school. His school back in the mountains, everybody looked like him. Everybody liked the same things he did. But when he transfers, (laughs) things get a little rough. Uh, So his teacher teaches him the peace sign and it allows students to see um, a fun character learning. uh, And well, that character is learning. Of course, they're learning the same skills. And then uh, we include some fun resources for kids to practice as well. Awesome. I think that's so special because you're, you're exactly right. These children's books with pictures that take kids on a journey help them to identify with the character and can teach the skills much stronger than a, than a lecture necessarily or like a sit-down mm-hmm. talk <laughs> that yeah. a parent might have over dinner. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it's fun. And I mean, we, we all have that book, I think, when we think about when we were kids, we want to go back and read it again and again. I had uh, one the other night, my mom was talking about children's books and we're in the car riding and she's like, do you remember that one I used to read to you? Just, I forget the name, the title of it actually, but we can back and forth still go and go through the entire book, <laughs> remembering the rhyming and stuff. Yeah, yeah. You memorize it. You know, mm-hmm. you do. So my kindergartner is starting to learn to read right now. So I'll absolutely get this book and this will be part of his normal routine um, oh, awesome. for bedtime. Because I think you're right. Starting young and, and giving kids the social skills to stand up for themselves and feel empowered without aggression is something you we all need. We all need. And so starting in kindergarten will be good for him. <laughs> That's awesome. That's great. I hope you enjoy it. 
Well, and I know you two are as well. So you guys, if you're interested in hiring Jeff at your school or getting him at your school, if you've got kids, which I'm sure a lot of us do, you have the power to go to your principal and say, hey, this could be a really great resource for our, our school. Because no, my kids go to a private Christian school as well. And uh, I'm sure there could be bullying. You know, it happens everywhere. Mm-hmm inner city, country, state, (laughs) culture is immune to these pressures and skill. Kids always need to be empowered. So guys, go to lovechangesitalltour.com, lovechangesitalltour.com. I'll post that in the show notes below. Um, But a couple of questions, Jeff, for you as you figured out kind of what worked, you you figured out what the problem was, and then you did your research, and then you created some solutions that you know now are, are powerful. Uh, how did you go about idea to fruition? Like, how do you get into schools? How did you start actually getting this content in front of people? So it's, it's funny, I, I didn't really want to speak on this topic uh, when it came up. I didn't want to be the motivational speaker. I was I own a production company and I was always the guys behind the scenes. So I would hire motivational speakers for conferences as part of my role. Uh, so I, w- I was used to being behind the scenes. So I had to really come out of my comfort zone, but I knew that kids needed this message. And it was my, my passion that really pushed past the fear, pushed through the fear to get on the stage and do this. I spoke in front of one small group. It turned into another thing. That second small group, there was a producer of a television station in the audience randomly. It was a public event. And uh, he wasn't even supposed to be there. And so he filmed me telling my story and pushed it out to TV networks. And then uh, the first project I ever did it, I don't know what you consider viral, like how many views, but the thing went crazy uh, to a bunch of different countries. And in uh, the illustrator of my book, we actually, uh, Johan Daza, uh, we actually worked on a, a sort of a, a bullying prevention movement uh, years ago. And, and that was the thing that sort of went crazy online. And so for me, it was just always continuing to learn, continuing to push through um, past my comfort zone and, and just be vulnerable and tell my story. Um, but one thing I was really committed to is not just telling my story. I didn't want my students that I was working with or parents or teachers, I didn't want people to walk away motivated and pumped up. I wanted them to walk away transformed. So I was not at all interested in being an inspirational speaker or a motivational speaker. I wanted to be a transformational speaker, which meant that it had to be more than my story. I had to be teaching proven skills and psychological frameworks that people could use where I was already able to measure prior to me speaking that they should have a certain success level. It wasn't my story or anything that's been my success. It's really being committed to helping people build their own resilience and teaching proven skills that's that's led to a, a career of this. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you for saying yes to that. I think it's always easier to stay behind the camera. (laughs) It is, yes. (laughs) Um, But when you have that fire in your belly and you know you have a message that people need to hear, uh, it it becomes that holy discontent where you're like, I have Mm. to say yes or my soul will die. (laughs) That's it. Thank you for pushing outside your comfort zone because I do believe the skills you teach kids are also empowering the adults, right? Because we're Mm -hmm. also giving the teachers and the parents something they can teach their children. Uh, They can implement the things that you teach to create a safer space. But then also adults get bullied too, you Mm -hmm. know, and there's workplace drama and there's there's squabbles in the neighborhood. And so these skills truly are universal and we can use them as adults. We can teach them to our kids and I Amen. We'll have a safer place. 
<laughs> Sounds good. Let's continue <laughs> to work on it. You know, and I love the the idea about training grownups is too is they can train so many more kids than I can get in front of. So the message then sort of grows exponentially, right? And, and that's the beauty of it. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you again, Jeff, for your wisdom, your heart, your experience. You guys go to Love Changes It All tour, and let's connect with him to get him in all of our local schools because this is a message that everybody needs to hear. Um, I'll also put the link to the book Bigfoot Gets Bullied um, in the comments below because I know at the very least this is an amazing tool that we all can use to empower our children. So thank you again, Jeff. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today. I want to hear your aha moment from today's amazing episode. If you could leave a review at whatever podcast player you choose to listen from, Apple Podcast, CastBox, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you're listening from, leave a review and share with us your favorite part of today's episode. Thanks for hanging out. And remember to dream big. <laughs>